budget? Many Britons use their votes to express anger at the country's political establishment and its failed economic policies instead. That shouldn't be surprising. Even as the economy has grown, the gap between the top and the bottom has stretched wider and wider. In 1980, the top 10% earned 2.7 times as much as the bottom 10%. In 2013, the top 10% took home 3.7 times as much. This is because, for decades, median wage growth has lagged behind average wage growth. In other words, the pie has grown, but workers have seen their slices grow far slower. The financial crisis only made things worse. From 2003 to 2014, all workers suffered as average weekly earnings shrank by 1.8%. But the poorest did the worst as median earnings slid by 2.8% over that period. It's not enough to just blame the crisis, however. As far back as 2000, the share of working-age men without qualifications, having left school before the age of 16, who were not active in the labor force had reached 30%, compared with less than 4% two decades earlier. By April 2016, that figure stood at over 43%. The state bears most of the blame for these problems. For years it has underinvested in public services, eroded the power of trade unions, and failed to promote employment or raise wages. The national minimum wage remained low by international standards for decades, until a labor government raised it in 1998. The result has been that, for many in the United Kingdom, having a job is no guarantee of financial security. Half of poor children in the country have parents who work but are nevertheless below the poverty line. In recent years, one of the worst examples of government underinvestment has been in health care. In 2010, the new coalition government of Prime Minister David Cameron pledged to protect the National Health Service from austerity. Despite this guarantee, however, health care spending has grown by just 1.2% per year since 2010 compared with 3.7% between 1949 and 1979, and over 6.7% from 2007 to 2009 during the financial crisis. The United Kingdom now ranks 13th among the 15 original members of the EU in the percentage of GDP spent on health care. Cuts to the NHS budget made in the name of efficiency have led to perverse policies such as hiring expensive temporary staff to meet the shortfall in permanent employees. Remaining staff feel underpaid and overworked. And it's not just health care where the government has failed. In 2010, the coalition government also reduced child benefits, a policy that researchers at the Institute for Fiscal Studies estimated would push an extra 200,000 children into poverty by 2016. Sure enough, The share of children living in relative poverty ticked up from 27% in 2011 to 29% in 2015, an increase of 300,000 children, even as the economy recovered. The imposition of fiscal austerity after 2010 was the coup de grace for many of the country's most deprived regions. London's poorer boroughs, England's forgotten seaside towns, and the declining industrial areas of northern England, the South Wales Valleys, 
and Glasgow have experienced the biggest declines in welfare payments over the last six years. In contrast, the more prosperous south and east of England have seen only small spending reductions, since many of the cuts were to public spending that mostly benefited poor individuals. Reductions in disability benefits, housing support payments, and unemployment assistance hurt most those areas that already had the highest shares of claimants. Didn't we almost have it all? Real as the anger is, scapegoating the EU for British economic hardship is unfair. In fact, it's doubly so. Not only is the British government responsible for the problem, but the EU has actually mitigated its impact. Forty years of data point to the overwhelming conclusion that EU membership reduced the price of goods, increased real wages,